Hello, welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. My name is Tim Price. I'm a worship leader in the St. Louis area, and I love the opportunity to uh, share these podcasts and to write in the blog post at worshipleadertoolbox.com. I hope it's helpful to you, and today I want to talk about nine practical hurdles that all worship leaders must overcome. Welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast, where our mission is to equip and encourage worship leaders and teams in practical components of local church leadership. We're so thrilled to have you listening to our podcast, and our prayer is that it's helpful for you and your teams. If you have any thoughts or questions, feel free to reach out to us at worshipleadertoolbox.com, and we'd also be honored to have you hit subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Heading now to today's episode with Tim Price. Okay, we're going to jump into these nine practical hurdles worship leaders must overcome. I may not do all nine. I'll see how long the podcast takes, but we will uh, hit some of them. And if you miss some of them, you're welcome to go to the blog post at worshipleadertoolbox.com. We'd love to have you join us there. We'd also love to have you join us at the Worship Leader Toolbox community. So if you go to Facebook and search Worship Leader Toolbox community, you can see the new image in the heading that we just put on recently. So... There are some hurdles that every worship leader has to overcome, and it's not just worship leaders, it's every aspect of ministry, and really, if you get broad enough, it's every aspect of life. There's something that we have to have that challenges us nearly every single day, some problem to solve or some issue to think about, or something that is good that we want to make better, and so each of those are hurdles. And there may be seasons when some of these hurdles are actually overcomable very easily. And um, I'm not sure if you can say overcomable, but I just did. It's it's, uh, like we have a season where everything is hopping, and then all of a sudden it fades a little bit, and some of the systems begin to break down because they need attention. As many people have said, no organization drifts toward simplicity and effectiveness. We typically drift toward chaos and a lot of craziness going on around us. So we have to be intentional about continually being able to overcome these practical hurdles. And so building great structures does take some time, but it's worth it. And here are a couple reasons why it's worth it. It's worth it for your health. If you're going to stay in your ministry for any length of time, if you're going to have the kind of longevity that most people long for to say, I've been at that church for 15, 20 years. It's been awesome, fruitful, great relationships, awesome ministry. If you're going to have that, you have to have structures and systems in place. And if you don't have a structure systems, in addition to having um, rough health and longevity, you're also not going to be able to grow your ministry because if you're trying to do it on your own, then it's just not going to happen. So these are the nine practical hurdles worship leaders must overcome. Okay, number one, administration and organization. So much of worship is in the details. We've talked about it a million times on this podcast. I probably talk about it so much because it's one of my weak points often. And so your systems of planning and calendar and music preparation will determine the effectiveness of your ministry and the strength of your team. You have to organize your time toward your people. If you're not taking time to build the people around you so that together you can accomplish the goal of not only equipping the saints and allowing them to use their gifts, but to leading the church and worship as a whole team. So some of the practical steps to overcoming this hurdle, you need one calendar, you need a system for planning worship outlines, a meeting time or a time slot or something. 
You need a certain time for prayer each day. If we don't have prayer in our lives, if we're not in communion with Jesus, then the encounter with Jesus is going to be very difficult, and especially on stage in front of everyone. Need a weekly, weekly rhythm of Sabbath and a typical schedule and flow each week, because that's what's going to keep you in the groove. Uh, it's going to kind of become like autopilot almost in terms of the steps to take to organize. There's a lot of great stuff for this. Some of the podcasts and blog posts we have about it, um, you can almost research it anywhere and find steps. A lot of worship leaders will have a certain thing they do on Mondays, a certain thing they do on Tuesdays, a rehearsal on Wednesday or sometime in the midweek. And then they have a kind of a flow for the end of the week, tie up loose ends by Thursday night, and then get ready for leading worship on Sunday. Administration organizations, number one. The second hurdle is scheduling and people. And now this is a little more difficult to talk about because depending on the size and style of your church, then the levels of these hurdles might be more or less. But no matter what, your people are your best and biggest and brightest resource. So be sure to treat them well. Give them advance notice. Resource them with what they need for in terms of songs, chords, and music, and equipment. Encourage them and um, you know give them thoughts. So based both praise and constructive thoughts for growth. And build authentic relationships. So what are the practical steps for scheduling and people? Get set up with Planning Center online if you haven't already. That is the premier scheduling and music planning app for worship teams. You're probably already doing it if you're listening to this podcast, but if not, go to Planning Center Online, and there are various levels of amounts of money you can spend, depending on how many team members and how many services you have, but any money you spend on Planning Center is worth it. So, also, another practical step is to take a look at your calendar right now, as soon as this podcast is finished, and schedule your next worship team meeting. Plan your next community event with your group so that they know that you know that they're serving in ministry, that you appreciate them, and that they're being thought about in addition to showing up on Sundays and showing up for rehearsal. You need some time to be together without the pressure of the worship time coming up. And then you might want to just think about sending notes to people now and then. Somebody in your group has a big life thing going on. They're having a baby. They're getting married. Some health issue. It's good to stay in touch with them if you can. Then there might just be the little things every now and then where you just send a note because you know somebody's leaving on a trip or you heard they were flying out today. So while they're sitting at the airport, you send them a text. There's nothing like getting a text at the airport because you have absolutely nothing to do. And it's really fun to uh, hear from somebody and chit chat a little bit. So the two hurdles so far, administration and organization, scheduling and people. The third hurdle is learning new stuff. We need to learn new songs, we need to learn new ways of leading, and we need to learn new things about Jesus. We need to expand our knowledge by uh, reading scripture, reading books, listening to podcasts, listening to new music, or attending a conference or event. I often get new songs by listening and um, hearing from our worship team members, just inviting them, kind of building a culture of, when you hear a great song, send it to me. We want to try to maybe include that one. Learn new leadership tips by observing others and meeting with other worship leaders or other pastors. And I already mentioned reading, but reading is a great one. Um, Readers are leaders, and readers are learners, and leaders are learners. It all ties together. And so some of the practical steps for learning new stuff is listening to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast 
that's the shameless plug of the post today, uh, asking a question on some sort of worship leader group through Facebook, or learning a new song that you're going to teach your congregation in the next two or three Sundays. And so um, if you go to the, the blog post here, and I won't mention this again, but at worshipleadertoolbox.com, you can see several links of resources. And we have a couple blog posts and podcasts about how to learn new things. And so you can get those links there. Hurdle number four, accountable to what you say you will do. You have to be accountable to what you say you will do. Life is busy. Worship leaders often feel like they wear a number of hats in ministry. Sometimes you're dealing with tech or social media or graphics or publicity or some other aspect of the church or some special event around the building. But still, you want to commit to something and do it. You don't want to become known as the person who commits and flakes out. I don't know what it is about artists and musicians, but they have become, over the course of time, some of the most unreliable people in terms of their schedule. It's kind of like if something else comes up and we're in that mode because we do a lot of various music things and, and other things for other people at times. Don't let that define who you are and become what people know you as. If you commit to something, then you do it. And you hold yourself accountable to doing what you say you will do. Another thing that I've found in ministry in general is that with a little bit of a more lax schedule and a little bit more of a self-directed role in ministry for the church, the flexible hours, because a lot of, hap- and a lot of life and ministry happens on weekends and evenings, so days are a little more fluid. There's a lot of different variables to this, but somehow the mindset creeps in that it's sort of a lesser kind of thing in life. Like, eh, it's okay if I don't do that, or it's okay if I don't get back to them. This is just the church, or they'll understand, or this is just worship ministry. I don't know exactly what the sentiment is, but sometimes I liken it to liken it to a, a medical doctor. If our medical doctors, in the process of our big health issues, a surgery or some major treatment that needs to be done, if they kind of sort of just said, "Yeah, we'll try to get to that when we can," or "I'll give you a call on Tuesday," and then they don't call, when people are expecting things they want it. And we should take pride in our role and our ministry in the church in the same way that a doctor or a lawyer or a senator or whoever would take pride in their role. Because we have one of the greatest organizations and the greatest story to ever tell and be a part of, the gospel story of Jesus Christ. So that might get a little deep just to tell somebody, hey, do what you say you're going to do. But worship leaders, ministry leaders, student pastors, all church staff and pastors need to stay committed to the word they give to people. Do what you're going to do. And then we come to this next part, and that is when your calendar becomes unruly and all of a sudden you realize you've committed to too much or you definitely realize you have lost your ability to keep boundaries good. Well, instead of just like dropping 10 balls right there, and you know, sometimes in life, maybe that happens and we just get it, you know, totally just take a break. But instead of just dropping all your commitments, Build a fire break. Look out on your calendar six or eight or ten days and say, nothing's going on these days. I've realized that I've overcommitted. So these days I'm going to block out with a trip or a vacation or at least a mental breather to say, I've done all this stuff and I have to have this breather. I'm going to stay committed, but I know that in a week I have some free time. So that's how you get through that. So some practical steps for doing what you say you'll do. One, send the info that's been asked of you. Make the call that you've been needed to do. 
prep the song or do whatever it is that you need to set up for Sunday with the charts or the keys or the, the whatever. Stay accountable to do what you say you're going to do. A follow-up to that is to be responsive in communication. Worship leaders and church staff need to take their calling highly, just like we talked about. Don't take it lightly. We want to be as intentional as we can about responding to people in a timely manner and apologizing when we don't, but not getting in the rut of apologizing every single day. So some practical steps for this simple thing of responsive and communication as one of the hurdles for worship leaders is to set up auto email responders when you're away, asking people to remind you if you don't respond. Or like one guy I invited to do a podcast once said, I'm not even going to put this on my calendar. I'm always free on Fridays. Just send me a text one hour before you need me. He put the ball in my court to make sure that things were going to work and it worked out well. Responsive communication means returning calls whenever somebody calls you. And one of the best ways I've found, and it's worked in my life, and I didn't really plan this, but it just kind of happened this way. One of the best ways I've found to set up boundaries in communication is to respond quickly during the, quote, normal hours, and not to respond during the not normal hours. So if you get a text from somebody or a phone message or an email, Respond quickly when it's between the, the workday, you know, 8 to 4, 8 to 5, whatever your time slot is. But if it's in the evening, don't respond. What happens is if we respond all hours of the day, then people reach out to us all hours of the day. And eventually, if you stay disciplined in this, your people, your team and those around you will get into a rhythm of sending you messages, notes, and expecting a response from you on your on times and everybody else um, they, they'll kind of stop leaving you alone when they know you're on the off time because they are rewarded with a quick response when it's the right time. All right. The next one is leading, not performing. This is really not easy to teach. And I know a lot of people bring it up. They feel like their worship team, some pastors will say, it feels like our worship team is just singing songs for us. They're like up there on stage performing. Sometimes this happens when people are um, younger or maybe spiritually immature, or they're just uncertain of what music leadership for worship really is about. It's also hard to teach because we want people to be very excellent. We want there to be a level of musicality and, and inspiration and connection with the congregation so that they are inspired. And for sure, we don't want barriers in there. Like we don't want just sloppy music and leadership because then it's really difficult for people to catch on. But there is an element to leading that must be authentically and humbly focused on serving the people in the room and helping them to connect with God. Performances sometimes get a bad rap, but they can also inspire. If you sit at a two-hour symphony with an orchestra in some city, you can definitely be inspired and the music can move you. And when people just sing a song at church, it's awesome. When somebody does a drama, people don't participate in that. But when we are leading worship, when we are leading songs so the church can sing and declare and lift their voices and lift praise, we're not performing for the church, for the congregation. We're performing, in a sense, along with the congregation, for the audience of God alone. And so we want to lead well, but we don't want to get into this mindset that we're performing for the people. A couple ways I keep myself in that mode is I don't call worship services gigs. I also don't call them shows. You can look up a couple podcasts I have about that. 
I stay away from those words. And when it's time to lead worship, I always invite people to join me to help lead or to be a part of worship. I phrase it any other way except for join me for this gig or join me for this show because we are leading. We're serving God's people. We're not performing. And a couple other things that I do. One is I rarely have a water bottle on stage. Now, uh, I've mentioned this a few times. and I don't want to you know, keep coming back to it all the time. But in case you're new, this is just a thought that has helped me. And that is if we're going to get up on Sunday morning and sing four or five songs for a worship service, and 100% of those songs, we are inviting the church to join us in singing, then we're all singing all the songs together. And if we're really, truly all in this together, then why would the worship team members have a water bottle if not everybody else does? So the two options are everybody have a water bottle or nobody have a water bottle. So I've kind of not been a stickler about that since um, having some issues with my voice at one point, had to have some surgery. This has been you know more than a decade ago, but I still have that in my mindset. If I don't need a water bottle on stage, I just don't do it. If I'm singing a high song or I'm singing a bunch of songs that nobody else is singing, or if I just had a huge long rehearsal and then I'm leading people, then I might go ahead and do it. I, you know, break the rule if I need to, but for the most part, it helps me remember that we're all in this together. And so, um, we need to be leading, not performing. A couple practical steps for this one is to read this blog post in our, um, website and it is it talks about worship leader as a prompter, helping people to encounter God. And we want to think about the people we're leading more than the performance. And it's also helpful, kind of counterintuitive here, to know the music and the flow of the service so well that you can lead and, concent- and, and worship more than concentrate on chord charts and worship orders. So not performing doesn't mean not rehearsing and preparing. There's, it's not equal. Sometimes people think the way you wing it is you just literally get up there and wing it. But the most casual looking, flowing worship services are the ones that have been prepped and rehearsed the most. Okay, number one, administration and organization is the first hurdle we talked about. Scheduling and people, learning new stuff, accountable to what you say you will do, responsive in communication, leading, not performing. And then we have these last three. And so... Number seven, learning great flow and great transitions. Great flow comes with good planning and lots of prayer. We just mentioned that before the break. And transitions are some of the most important pieces to great flow. So at some point during your rehearsal, and usually that's you know the rehearsal before the service on the Sunday or on the weekend, you must think through transitions. So you're not just doing song, 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 song. You have to come up with the ways that you're going to introduce or bridge or uh, musically connect or scripture connect or prayer connect, whatever it's going to be, transitions are important. So some practical steps for learning great flow and great transitions is to uh, read a blog post we have called 14 Ideas for Transitions. The link is there and available. Uh, Take notes of other worship services you're a part of and incorporate those transitions into your service, the ones that work. And then also take time to prepare before Sunday with the pastor. I don't know how often I have been in the place that the pastor and I have kind of converged together at the worship time without having double-checked the last couple things. If you have multiple Sunday morning services, this can happen very easily. So you need the details lined out before. But even then, sometimes on Sunday, you'll get a curveball. Somebody can't make it or something happens. 
And um, there's been times I've, I've felt like I have to telepathically tell the pastor, hey, come on up, that song's not happening, or whatever the case is. So you got to learn great flow. All right, the last two, eight and nine. One is to be a good band member. Even as a leader, you are serving with the worship band. So model what it means to be a good team member. Arrive on time. Don't noodle around on your instrument when somebody's trying to talk. Encourage things when they go well. Encourage people when they've done a good part. Spend time before and after rehearsal visiting about life, asking questions, checking in with others. All those things are modeling what it means to be a good band member, to know your parts, to be ready for rehearsal, to uh, spend time praying together, and then to make it all happen. But then the last, so that's being a good band member, the last one is, number nine, being a great leader. Strive to be a leader who is developing other leaders. I heard Craig Grishel say, we don't find great musicians or leaders in our organization. We build them. So there are people around you that can be built into incredible leaders. Run effective rehearsals, plan songs in advance, bend over backwards to make things easier on your pastors and your leaders, be encouraging, send notes, and trust your team. Always be working hard where God has you until it's time to move on. Give your all. Sometimes people start waning a little bit in their energy at the place they are because they feel like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm feeling nudged to move on. God might be leading you, and that may be part of the thing, but typically the best way to go is to go 100% where you're at until it's time to move, and then you switch gears and move on. So you right now are serving a great church with a great group of people, and you have potential right where you are to make a kingdom difference in the lives of people and in this time in history. And so overcome these hurdles. If all nine have uh, given you pause to think, oh man, I got to do something here, it might be overwhelming. So just pick one today or this week and determine that you're going to overcome that hurdle so that you can be effective in worship ministry. And that's our goal for the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast is to help worship leaders and worship teams uh, give God glory, to use their gift, to lift up the name of Jesus, and to build their church. And so thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks again for joining us. We so appreciate you. If you have any questions, you can find out more about our ministry by going to worshipleadertoolbox.com. Join us again next time. We're looking forward to it. Thank you.